Okay, so today is uh, uh, number 106. Yesterday was 105. We'll do a review of yesterday's dafka to today's. Um, so we came to the conclusion, or what we thought was, is that Rabbi Akiva says that uh, that if a woman just does the spitting, since according to Rabbi Akiva, even if you skip the spitting altogether, it's not makif. It's, uh, it's still a good chalitza. So uh, why would he say that the spitting counts for anything? Um, but uh, Rabbi Kiva definitely does say that in the Brisa, because the Brisa, even though it's an unnamed Brisa, but if you look at what it's saying, it says if you did the Chalitza without the spitting or without the reading of the verses, it's still a Chalitza. Now only Rabbi Kiva holds that. And then it says if they spit without doing the Chalitza or the Kriya, it's not a Chalitza Ksheira, it's Chalitza Psula. But that means that something happened already. Chalitza Psula is not something that you can just walk back from. Okay, it's just you have to still do a chalitza. If you just read the verses without doing the other two, so then there's nothing at all. Now, um, who can this be? It's only going, it can't be Ribliezer because he says that if you do the chalitza without the spitting and the reading, it's a kosher chalitza, so that only Rabbi Kiva would say that. So, because Ribliezer says every action item must be done. Okay, um, all action items are ma'akif, so it must be it's like Rabbi Kiva. And then it says spitting without chalitza is a chalitza, and, or the kriya is chalitza psula. So um, who else could it be going like? I mean, uh, who, who, what does it mean that it's chalitza psula? If it means that it's chalitza psula, that doesn't free her to marry. Of course, you didn't even do the chalitza, so it must be that it's chalitza psula in the sense that now you can't do yibum even to the the, the other brothers cannot do yibum. That's what it's saying. It's possible. Okay, so that proves that Rabbi Kiva does say that. Now, the question is, since Rabbi Kiva looks pretty much at, at uh, Rikika as non-essential, the same as reading the verses is not essential, so why do we consider the, rever- the verses that were read as not having started, but when you do the spitting, it, it definitely did start. So the answer is, it's, it's a rabbinic idea. And the point being is, when somebody heard the verses being read, so uh, there are verses that are read in the beginning before the actual chalitza, and then there's verses that continue on after. So somebody walks in on a, on a verse, he's not naturally assuming that the chalitza probably took place. As opposed to by Rikiko, which normally takes place after, belongs after the chalitza. So if somebody walks in on a, on a spitting, he'll think that it's after the chalitza. And if that's the case, he's going to assume that probably... Uh, the chalitza was done, I just missed it, I came afterwards. And therefore, he's going to say that, it, that uh, uh, I guess it's, you could, it's not too late to do yibum, even if you did chalitza in the, you know, what, to one brother, you can still do yibum to another brother if you let her do yibum. So therefore we say once it's going to look like a chalitza has been done, then you have to make it as if a chalitza has been done, in the sense that you're not able to go ahead and do any, and, and do any yibum at that point. Um... That's version A, uh, part of version A of how the question was. It says that Ivama There's a version B um, that was sent to Rabbi to to uh, the Avur the Shmuel, the father of Shmuel, and that was is that a, a, a when Ivama spits, it's tachlots, and you don't need to spit again. That's what it said. Not that you have to follow through that the Rikiga is considered having started, but the other way around. It's um, it's a it's a different idea that it, that the rikika without chalitza not a problem keep it there and then do chalitza right away even out of order and it's okay. Story came before Rabbi Ami, 
and uh, Rabbi Abba Barmamel was there, and she did the spitting before the chalitza, and Rabbi said, okay, just do the chalitza and free her. So Rabbi Abba Barmamel said, I don't understand, but what, doesn't the spit have to go afterwards? It's like, um, uh, well, the spit happened. No, don't worry, the spit was done before. Why not do it again? What's the downside of repeating the spitting? The answer is, is that there could be a terrible thing because if you let go, go ahead and require another spitting, then when somebody looks at a spitting, they'll say, oh, spitting alone does nothing. And therefore, I, I've seen that, I've seen that. You have to remember, okay, uh, oh, we also saw that uh, you don't need three scholars uh, to do, uh, to do um, a, a, a chalitza, right? It's even three people who are just literate. So you don't want them making mistakes and saying, oh, the rakika is really nothing that's done before. And therefore, if she just does a rakika, maybe it's as if it's nothing happened. And that's not true, because people will look at a rakika as if it's something, you know, that, that's, it might assume that it happened after the chalitza. So therefore, um, we have to, even though it's out of order, let it, let it be, and let that be the only one that happened. Okay? And um, so... Um, um, now, what about the fact that it has to be in order? There's no, there's no halacha that it has to be in order. Okay? So first we thought that that was just pushing them off, but you look in, there was a straight up price and it said it exactly this way. Um, whether the chalitza was before the spitting or the, or, the, or, the, or, the, or the spitting is before the chalitza, what's done is done. So you see that you don't repeat it. Okay. Levi went to a town, they asked him three Shilas, and he was 0 for 3. First Shila was, a woman without arms. Can she, um, can she do um, Chalitza? Okay, so question number two. Um, if what she spat was blood, does that count as a Chalitza? And then uh, question three, when the puzzle says that in Daniel, that I'll tell you what's written in the Ksab Emes, which sounds like that it was uh, written from God, but any, why would you refer to it as Ksab Emes? Does any letter coming from God not have the MS? So he was 0, 3, 0 for 3, he didn't know any of the answers. So he asked in the base medrash, and they told him, uh, answered each one. First question, doesn't say anywhere, v'chaltza biyad. It just says v'chaltza, she removed the shoe. So however she can remove it, if she could pull it off with her teeth, that qualifies. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, it says v'yarka. Okay, doesn't say v'yarka rogue, that it has to be strictly spit. Even if there's other foreign material, there's blood in it as well, it's okay. What's the other, the less possible? What does it mean, ksav emes, ksav eno emes? The answer is, is that it's talking about a decree. And a decree from Hashem sometimes is to, can be torn up, but a decree that's with an oath cannot be torn up. And that's exactly what this is over here. Um, uh, that a, a decree that has an oath with it, it's never torn, and that's what the Pasuk says in Shmuel Aleph, that uh, I'm swearing to the house of Eli, will this uh, sin ever be answered? Um, with a, with, with a Zebach Mincha, forever, so Rabbah says, uh, okay, so that's the bottom line is, it's an oath, there was an oath involved, so that makes it like permanent. Now Rabbah says it didn't say, it's like they put a clause almost, God says, the house of Eli is never going to be forgiven with offerings, they sort of lost that option. But it does have some ability to be forgiven. How? It's uh, it's not miskaper b'zevchemincha, but it's miskaper b'divrei Torah. Um, so that's the idea. 
Abai says it's not miskaper b'sefach mincha, but uh, it's miskaper with uh, with gemilas uh, chasadim. Okay, so um, the, basically, Rabbi and Abai both they were talking personal from personal experience. They were both from Mount of Eli. Both Rabbi and Abai, and uh, Rabbi. Um, was strictly also in Torah, and he extended his life to 40 years. Um, Abaye, who was also involved in Gemitz Chazodim, he extended his life to 60 years. Okay, but they did sort of push it past the normal boundaries. Now, um, there's a story that uh, happened that there was a family in Jerusalem that everyone was dying at age 18, and uh, they told Rabbi Yochel Menzake about this strange phenomenon. And um, so he said, maybe they're from the house of Eli, um, and the Pesach says that they're going to die in their prime, you know. Um, go involve yourself in Torah, and that will help you live. And sure enough, that did work. And they named their family name, the Yochran family, because of that reason. Okay. So, next we saw Rosh Mubar Unya, the name of Rav, said that, uh, how do you know that a decree of a tzibor is different? That it never gets sealed. So the Gemara says, what do you mean never gets sealed? It's very clear this Psukim that talk about a sealing, uh, a seal of a, of a, a public pu- punishment. So the answer is, it's not that it's uh, not that it doesn't get sealed, but even if it is sealed, you can tear it back up. And that's based on the Pasuk, who is uh, Whenever we call out to him, it's the, he'll answer us, even if there's a decree against us. That's the expression, I don't know if you remember. Um, you know, so there's always, there's always hope. Uh, so the Gemara asks, um, how can it say bechol kareinu elov whenever we call? There's another pasuk that says dirsha Hashem beimatzo, call out to God when you find Him. So the Gemara says you're right. When it's b'tibor, then it's bechol kareinu elov. When it's biyachid, then it's only when He's found. When is that? When it's those days? Those are the days of between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, the, Aser, the, the ten days of tshuva. Okay. They sent a message to the father of Shmuel. When a Yevama um, spits blood, you said that uh, it's a, um, so, um, so you could just do the chalitza. Why? Because every blood will have some spit in it. So that fits with what we saw before. Problem is, is that when, when we talk about the Tumas Ziva of Azov, so he said that uh, blood that comes from the mouth or from other parts of the body, it's not, it's not, blood doesn't qualify as the bodily fluid that has the halachic status of tuma, of azav. Um, but spit does. So I thought you said that there's always some spit in the blood. The answer is it depends. If you're trying to spit it out, so then there's spit that's mixed with the blood. If you're dripping, if it drips out of your mouth, a cut, then that could be just blood, and that's the difference. Okay. Next we talked about is the chalitza of a deaf mute. So, Ravu the said, name of Rav, this is Shita's Rameyer uh, over here. The Chum say that the Chalitz of a Katan is nothing. Rameyer is saying that the Chalitz of a Katan, although it's invalid, but it also works in a sense that, pos- that locks in that now there's no option of Yibo. But the uh, Chum say that a Katan does Chalitz, it's a zero and doesn't have any effect. Then we saw a, a minor, a Katana that does Chalitz. So, Rav Yudas said, name of Rav, this is again Rameir talking, who says that just like there's a requirement that a man needs to be, the, the man, the Yavam, needs to be at least, who's doing the Chalitza, the, the, the man who's doing the Chalitza has to be an adult. So, uh, the woman is compared to the man that she also needs to be an adult. Chum disagrees. They say it says, Ishba Parsha, doesn't say anything about Isha, required to be 
Gdola Ktana, it just refers to as the Yevama. Note, no, no age implied at all. Okay, um, now who are those Chachamim? It's Rabbi Yossi, and the story goes, and we brought down an interesting story. Rabbi and Rabbi Shimba Rabbi were sitting and talking in learning, and they were talking about Tefillah. And they basically had a contradiction based on the verses. Well, there's one verse in Malachim Aleph that says that my eyes and my heart are there all the days, which means towards Jerusalem. So therefore, he's focusing his eyes downward, or towards, or forward. Okay? And the other opinion says that it should be upwards because the Pesach says, So you should be looking up when you're praying. So which is it? So Rabbi Shmuel Yossi walked in on them. He asked them, what are you talking about? They said, we're talking about the Shaila and Tefillah. He said, let me tell you what my father said. Okay? His father, Rabbi Yossi, had taught him a lot of halacha. So he shared with them what he taught. He says, what you need to do is put your eyes down, put your heart up. This way you fulfill both, both verses. Sounds like Yeretah What? Yes, right. Exactly. Use that to, to similar it's expression. Yeah, but it, well, you get bump. This is before that. You understand that? Yes, of course. In the humility, right? Okay, but anyway, right. So um, in the meantime, Rebbe came to yeshiva. Everyone right away. To, so 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 Reb Shimba, Rebbe, and uh, Reb Chir were thin. They were able to sit down right away. Reb Shmuel Barrios was a heavy set fellow. Until he was able to get down, he was walking to find you know to get a clearing and to ease you know ease his way down. It's not so easy when you're a big person. Anyway, so um, apparently one of the students of Rebbe, his name was Avdan, he says, who's this that's walking around when everyone's sitting on the floor? It looks like he's stepping on people's heads. Um, so he says, look, I'm Yishmael Berbiosi. I came to study Torah from Rebbe. He's a new student. So he says, who says that you're fit to learn Torah from Rebbe? Says Avdan speaking. It's a little shocked to him. So he says, and he's... Uh, who says Moshe was fit to learn Torah from Hashem? That was what he answered. So he says, what, you compare yourself to Moshe? So he says, is your Rebbe compared to God? I mean, is he, is he God? In other words, is that just like there's a disparity between God and your Rebbe, there's a disparity between Moshe and me. It also fits. Now, um, um, so Rav Yosef um, says that, you know, Rebbe sort of got, by not intervening and saying, okay, I've done, you know, calm down, okay, no biting, you know what I'm saying? He should have stepped in, he didn't, so he got a little bit of a shtach over here that he wasn't called his own Rebbe, he was called your Rebbe, that's number one. And um, meantime, a Yevama came before Rebbe, and they said, uh, Rebbe said to him, look, I don't know how old she is, go check her age. She went, he went out to check, and Rabbi Shmuel said, listen, my father said that, uh, it says in the Pasuk, Ish, um, and it doesn't say anything about Yisha. So there's no requirement that she needs to be of age. So he called, so the Rebbe called after back, he says, you don't need to. Rebbe is already paskin. end of story. Um, meantime, at that point, Avdan was now walking over people's heads to get back to his spot close to Rebbe. And that's where Rebbe Shmober Rebbe says, oh, excuse me, whoever needs, you know, people are heard, Dam Kadosh need him, so then let him t- walk around. But you are not even needed, so what are you walking? And, uh, and Rebbe actually over here sided with uh, Rebbe Shmuel and he said, just sit where you are. Anyway, at that moment, that was a little bit sharp, and Avdan suffered. Okay, he suffered, first of all, he got Saras, and he lost two children, they drowned. And his two daughters-in-law did miyun. They, uh, you know, they, they refused the marriage. 
Anyway, bottom line is he got a big patch, and Rav Nachum Yitzchak says, you know, it's a, Hashem is good that he let him be embarrassed in this world instead of the world to come. Anyway, the bottom line is we learned from Shmuel Barbilsi that Katana can do chalitza. How old are the Katana? So, so we assume that it's uh, pu'utos, even like, you know, the young age, which is like around six or seven, where they're able to purchase something. Um, they get a little, they have some sense, you know. Um, so, um, uh, so the Gemara says, uh, Rabbi says, no, not, not that young. It has to be at least onas nidorim, the age of around 11. That's what's required. Bottom line, though, is, is that interesting, although Rabbi Yossi this way, we do not paskin like Rabbi Yossi. In this case, we go with um, uh, two you know, adults. She has to be actually have hit puberty. She has to have hit the, the right age. Next thing we talked about is uh, the chalitza that was done with two, and then it turns out, or three, and then one of them is a relative, so we said that it's, um, that bidyevet, it's okay, according to some people, and then we saw that Rav Nachman says we don't paskin like that pair. Um, problem is, Rav Nachman already said elsewhere that you need three for, for chalitza. So is it a contradiction? I mean, why isn't it necessary? The answer is it is necessary, because if it would say over here, you would say that, um, meaning the first case where it says that you need three, so then um, I might think that's only lechatkila bidyevet. Here you tried having three, and it turns out that one you know was invalid. So maybe it will let it slide. So much more that even bidyevet you need three. Now if we would just say the bidyevet case, I might think that lechatkila you really should have five. Um, then no, lechatkila all you need is three, and bidyevet what you need is three, and that's why you need both things. And that is where we got up to yesterday. I'll take it from there.